this content factory we call the Rich Eisen Show. This is the Rich Eisen Show. And if you don't have a, a sense of excitement about this, I don't know what you're here for. The Rich Eisen Show. I can't tell you enough how much I love your show. With guest hosts Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison. Boom. Live. Boom. From the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. The Rich Eisen brand is really hot. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and now, sitting in for Rich. We're ready for any challenge. Here's Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ben Lyons, hanging out with Kirk Morrison today, a Friday. Appreciate you spending part of your week with us here. It's been a great week, having so much fun, talking sports, talking life. Ryan Leaf was great the first three days. Kirk Morrison, man. <laughs> Still figuring it out. Uh, no, it's funny, Kirk. Uh, I, I had the... Um, uh, had a conversation with my dad the other night and told him, oh, I'm filling in with uh, with Kirk on Thursday and Friday. You know, he's a great linebacker for, for the Raiders for many years. And my dad said, oh, I, here are my favorite linebackers. So unsolicited, here, <laughs> okay. here are my dad's favorite linebackers. You might know some of them. Some of them you might not be familiar with. Joe Schmidt from the Detroit Lions, 1953 okay. to 65. Mm-hmm. Hall of Famer in 73. Bill George from the Chicago Bears. Another Hall of Famer in 74. Obviously, this guy, Mike Singletary. Absolutely. Singletary. As a linebacker yourself, what did you love about Mike Singletary? Um, I loved his eyes. Yes. His eyes, a focus. Um, and then to watch him as a head coach, to because I was uh, with the Raiders when he was a head coach in San Francisco, and to watch him and how intense he was. Like, the way that he played as a player, he was that way as a coach. And still one of the uh, great always uh, – post-game press conferences uh, ever in terms of I can't win with them, won't win with them, can't do it, won't do it. Yeah. One of my dad's favorite all-time linebackers, Sam Huff from the New York Giants and the Washington, well, you you know, you used to be the other name and now it's Mm -hmm. the football team. Sam Huff, Lawrence Taylor, who I remember watching and that was just like a cheat code. Lawrence Taylor was like if you created a player in a video game with 99 attributes and just wanted to run up all of your stats, that's what it felt like watching Lawrence Taylor. Um, and Chuck Howley from the Dallas Cowboys, a six-time Pro Bowler, not yet in the Hall of Fame. How about for you, Kirk? Who are the, the linebackers you watched growing up that gave you the inspiration you needed to want to push yourself to make the NFL? The one guy for sure, number one in my book, because my first number in Pop Warner uh, at the age of like nine, my first number that I wore was number 58 because I wanted to be Derek Thomas. I mean, Derek Thomas was a bad dude, man. God rest his soul, man. But, you know, as a Raider fan growing up and watching him terrorize our team because he played for the Chiefs, but I wanted to be 58. I mean, I wanted to be Derek Thomas. He was an outstanding linebacker. Lawrence Taylor was another one I loved watching. Um, Man, we lost another good one, too, recently in Kevin Green. You know what I mean? I I loved watching him growing up, him and – and Greg Lloyd as well. I wasn't a Steeler fan, but, man, those two dudes on the outside wrecking – bringing havoc – I grew up in the Bay Area, so I watched Ken Norton, you know, guys like a Greg Beekert, Matt Millen, you know what I mean? Like, those are the names of linebackers I grew up wanting to be like. Because when they tell you as a kid, hey, you're going to be this position. And I'm like, okay. And so you got to do your research. Like, okay, who plays that position? Who Because I couldn't be, you know, the running back. I wasn't going to be the running back. Um, there was just guys that were just way too good for me at, at my age. So 
linebacker was probably going to be the best. And so I played defensive end slash inside linebacker. And so Lawrence Taylor and Derek Thomas were the guys who I watched off the edge and Lloyd and Green. And then the guys on the inside were like your Singletaries, right? Your, uh, for me, it was like Greg Beekert for Raider fans out there, right? Or Ken Norton and Lee Woodall. Like these are the guys who I watch. So that's kind of my uh, my era of linebackers who I truly, truly watched. And then obviously when I got to high school and college and, you know, a guy who I call a colleague and I would call for just to, just to talk with was Ray Lewis. But the only thing about Ray Lewis was that Ray Lewis was a guy that been – he would always watch a movie, but he would watch it differently. I always remember this. So I remember when the Book of Eli came out. Remember that Denzel Washington? Mila Kunis, yeah, yes. directed by the Hughes brothers. Absolutely. So I know he was a big movie guy, and I like to watch movies when I get a free minute. And so I said, we were at an event, and I said, Ray, man, good to see you. You know, we always, you know, hug and we talk. And he was like, hey, what you got going on? What you, what you watching now? Oh, my God. And he, like, gives you these big eyes, and he pulls you to the side. Wait till you see this book of Eli. And so now it's over because now he's like, oh, because everything about a movie turns into, like, this life story or about the football. Man, wait till you see this. And I want you to go with an open eye and think about it right now. Think about it when you watch this movie as if you really are Denzel. Don't watch it as just a fan. Watch it as you're Denzel. Oh, my God, it's powerful. Oh, man, if you don't walk away from this movie, I said, all right, Ray, I just want to watch the movie, man. I just asked you, like, what are you watching, brother? I'm not, I'm, I didn't want to go down this path. He's like, but I want you to watch it this way. <laughs> Kirk Morrison and Ben Lyons filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. If it's the studio, if, I, if I'm Warner Brothers, you're like, who is this movie for? Opening night, who's buying a ticket? I'm raising my hand and saying Ray Lewis. Oh, Ray absolutely. Lewis is our target demo. If we can get him excited about the film, we got a shot. I mean, he's going to give you five different, like, just ways of or just thoughts about the movie. That's, that a, that's a great a, Saturday so Night Live skit. Ray Lewis, <laughs> film critic. <laughs> I'm telling you, for all the people at SNL who are, who are listening, maybe we can go. We yes, can for all the them. people at SNL who are listening. I'm sure that's <laughs> oh, what they're man. doing. But the Friday I before like, a show. But it was just like, it was like, it was like other movies too, Ben. And like his eyes would like light up with excitement about, Oh my God! Did you see that one scene? Oh man, Kirk. See, that's that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to get guys to understand that the movie is more of a metaphor of this. And I'm like, right, man. I just want to watch something that's entertaining for two hours. That's all. <laughs> but that presence with Ray yeah. Lewis is what made him so powerful. You never mm-hmm. saw Ray distracted. You never thought right. his head was somewhere else. He was right. in the game or in the film or in you know these sessions where he helps young people like talk about focus well, that, and that, presence that, that, that's what i love about like the great athletes that's what i watch when you know like we just saw it with tom brady their laser-like focus we saw it from the great kobe bryant um so obviously i think sometimes we see it with lebron when he's fully dialed in i think regular season is hard to get that kind of lebron but i saw it in the playoffs last year in the bubble um, and when they won a championship, there are certain athletes now that I watch and they get into that zone. I know yesterday we talked about it a little bit with uh, Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka, uh, Naomi Osaka because of how they are able to focus and have that 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 it, it's it's a focus that I remember and I, and the closest thing I've gotten to it, I've seen it 
was I believe was it 2009 to yeah 2009 I believe um US Open Father's Day weekend I took my dad to Torrey Pines in San Diego this was that major that Tiger had won before he had that long stretch into winning another major and I took my dad to this uh to to the you know US Open and this was our first major, right? We've been to golf tournaments before, but this was like the first major. And I'm trying to walk the course with Tiger, which is impossible because like everybody's trying to walk the course with Tiger. So you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people walking along four to 500 yards of green and grass and fairways. And yet I said, you know what? I'm going to meet Tiger at hole number five or something. And we get to hole five and we just sat there and we watched, but it was a little walkthrough that he had to go through. And I literally saw a machine walk by me like it was so it was chaos everywhere, Ben. But yet Tiger Woods walked through like a machine as if I'm going to hole five and I'm about to bang. like it was. And I'm saying like it is people calling his name. Tiger, yo, Tiger, we love you. And you could tell that he was in a. In a, in a focus that nothing was going to distract him. It's pretty remarkable, and I'm glad you brought up seeing Tiger live because a year ago at this time when the Genesis was in Los Angeles at Riviera, I did the same thing. I went tiger hunting, and I'm not a tiger huge, hunting. I'm not a huge now? tiger fan. <laughs> tiger hunting, honestly. Okay. Uh, I, I was back in the day. It's a big reason why I picked up a golf club, but many of his choices he's made off the course have left a bad taste in my mouth, shall mm-hmm. we say? So I'm not necessarily the biggest tiger fan. However, to see him live, to camp out on, for me, it was the eighth hole and the wait an hour hole. and a half and yeah. slowly but surely the crowd starts to grow. And what's amazing <laughs> about it, Kirk, and you spoke to it, black, white, Asian, Absolutely. old, young, male, yeah. female, everybody. It's all encompassing uh, mm-hmm. and it's incredible to see. And you're right, that focus, when he came up and as fate would have it, he, he flew a five iron a little far on the green and it landed, I don't know, six inches from my foot. So he came <laughs> right next to me and, and, and had a chip shot. And it was the greatest chip shot I've ever seen not go in. <laughs> what do you mean? He just, just chipped it and he hit it to about two feet and it was a fine chip shot, totally forgettable. But the excitement and to see it and the anticipation and the energy, oh lot, my man. God. And you're right, I'm losing my mind. Yes. And he is just locked in and that focus uh, man, if you could bottle it up and sell it, you'd be a very wealthy man. I mean, I don't know where guys like that. You mentioned Serena, too. Yes. You know, she was so locked in that in that press conference the other day when they asked her about her retirement, it, you could see it broke her focus. Yeah. Her eyeballs rolled into the back of her head. Like, it, it was like the robot was malfunctioning on some yeah. level, and that focus was broken. Um, yeah, that really is what separates the, 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 the very good from the, from the iconic, I feel like. Yeah, always. And that's why, you know, for me, uh, growing up, those are the guys who I gravitated to. Like, I needed to be close to those guys. That's why a lot of the stories I tell throughout my life are more about the guys who I drew a lot of inspiration from. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. You mentioned Matt Millen, one of those great Raider linebackers that you admired and watched growing up. And the fact that you grew up in the Bay and then Mm -hmm. got to play for the Raiders. Yeah. It's such a great story, man. Congratulations. It's 25 years later, whatever it is. But congratulations. And then you go out and have a great career over 700 tackles, and you find yourself on the rank, on the list for the greatest Raiders linebackers of all time. 
At mm. number one, who do you think's number one on the all-time list for the Raiders? I would say between Matt Millen or, oh, man, Rod Martin. Both on the list at number one, according to Raiders Art, our engineer here. The list he gave me this morning, it's Ted Hendricks. Oh, Teddy. Why, why kind of, oh, my God. I forget Teddy. At number two. A Teddy's block, up there. Teddy. At number two, a blockbuster trade sent this wow. linebacker to Chicago. Number mm. 52, Khalil Mack. Yeah. We didn't have Khalil long enough, man. Didn't have him long enough to make the all-time list, you think? Challenge yeah. flag on the field. From, I was the original 52, Morrison. Khalil. But you know what? We... That there, there's a, you know, for us we have that relationship. I was KM five two one for Kirk Morrison fifty two part one, and he is KM for Khalil Mack fifty two the second. So we uh we we kind of carry that with us, man. So at but, hey, number three, yeah. Phil via piano. Yeah, Phil piano. Before my time, Piano-Piano. before yeah. my time, as I totally butchered that last name. Forgive me. Sorry, Raiders art. No, trust me, he is a passionate dude, man. Like that's the one thing. With a lot of these older players that play, like, he is a guy right now that you, like, I, I, he's as feisty now as he was. Like, I can't imagine him on the football field. Could you talk to him now? Like, ah, what's up, man? How you doing? Like, I'm it's like, funny. I, I watched an interview <laughs> last night with Trevor Noah and Russell Westbrook, and Russell was talking about how that's the biggest problem in his life right now is that everyone in his day-to-day life thinks mm-hmm. he's the same guy from the court. Right, like they think he's so <laughs> intense and uh, that off the floor he's like, "Hey, I'm, I'm actually someone who's like, good." Guy. Yeah, it's just it's just an act. Um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned Matt Millen at number four, Rod Martin at number five, three mm-hmm. interceptions in the Super Bowl, and still was not MVP. That go that honor goes to Jim Plunkett. Can you imagine that three su- interceptions in the Super Bowl. That's why I'm campaigning and I'm petitioning that we must have a defensive player of the game for the Super Bowl, because that honor would have went to Devin White for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, because, look, let's be honest, MVP goes to either the quarterback or somebody who has this outstanding offensive performance. Now, we do have these one-offs where, like, a Von Miller has a great – or Malcolm Smith, you know, a linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks, has a great game. But for the most part, it goes to the offensive player. So let's get a defensive player. Why don't player we call it the Rod ball. Martin Award? <laughs> ah, great point. That's a good idea, right? I, I think like we just it. get yeah. right. What do you say? Of course, Raiders are. Yes, the engineer <laughs> through the booth is like, yes. Name it the Ron Martin Award. Um, mm-hmm. Number six, Bill Romanowski. I had a, yeah. I interviewed him once at a, at a radio row, and I, I honestly thought he was going to rip my head off just for asking him a question. I, I forget Romo was a Raider. I do. Yeah. At some time. Because no, I, no, I know he was a Raider, but because I grew up in the Bay Area, I think of Romo for his years in Denver and with the 49ers before he got to the Raiders. Greg Burkett, Greg Townsend, and at number nine, the original 52, Kirk Morrison. Oh, man, I appreciate it. So I was top 10 then. Top 10, yes. Firmly okay. cemented at number nine, a spot ahead, Rob Fredrickson. So, yeah, I'll take that. You know, you know what? When, I'll take that. You know, when you, uh, <laughs> when, when you think, though, of your time, again, being from Oakland yeah. to play in Oakland, it's very rare. It doesn't happen. Guys are often forced to, you know, travel across the country, live in, in environments that they're unfamiliar with. Back in the NBA, in the, in the day, they used to have territorial draft picks. That's how Bill Bradley ended up on the Knicks is because wow. he went to Princeton. He's part of, he's from the region. Um, you were essentially a territorial draft pick by the Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, did you, when you look back on it, 
the best situation for you, you think, being at home, staying at home, or a lot of people popping up out of the woodwork looking for tickets on a Sunday? No, actually, um, I, it was one of the great things about my career was that, because, look, I went, to, I went to high school, you know, there. College, I went to San Diego State, but when it came to the NFL, like you mentioned, being drafted back to the Raiders, I was back in my hometown where all my family were already Raiders fans. And so we, we already had season tickets um, as a family. Um, the only thing was that now, instead of my dad footing the bill, once I got to the NFL, that bill kept coming to my locker room. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the Raiders season ticket people kept saying, hey, uh, your dad sent this bill. He said that you were going to take care of it. I'm like, all right, all right. But that was, he said, look, that's all I want for Father's Day. So I got my dad's season tickets to the Raiders for every year all the way up until last year. So I actually been kind of hurting a little bit because this was the first year that I did not get my dad's season tickets to Raider games. Obviously, they moved to Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So we'll figure something out on how he'll be able to, to attend when fans will be let back into stadiums for, for sure, for sure. Art, our engineer, the Raider fan, is like, oh, PSL? There's like a PSL that's open now? Curtis Morris' <laughs> dad didn't renew his tickets? Maybe that moves me up the list. No, this was the one in Oakland, man. <laughs> now in Vegas is totally different, but we'll figure that part out. But, you know, my mom and everybody. So what I would do is, because people don't know that in the NFL, tickets aren't free. Like, people think like, oh, you're an NFL player. I remember my buddies was like, hey, can I get a couple tickets? I was like, you know, these tickets are about 125 a pop. He was like, y'all don't get them free? Like, nah, what you mean free? Like, no, you're going to pay for them. So I ended up buying my dad his six-season tickets and then my mom six-season tickets. So that was there. And I told him, guess what? You guys can bring who you want, but you got six, you got six, and whatever you guys decide to do with them. So my, my mom actually made a flow chart. And made family members pick what game. So, obviously, every family member wants to go to the Chiefs-Raiders game. They want to go to the Broncos-Raiders, Chargers-Raiders, or if the Cowboys are in town, or the Steelers. So, I mean, that's when you kind of got to duke it out a little bit. But, yeah, for the most part, we had a nice little plan, and it worked. The fact you got to get your parents' season tickets for the team you play for, the team they absolutely love and already rooted for, is just really special, man, and and should be celebrated. So, um, coming up next... Man, I'm so excited for our next guest. One half of the knuckleheads. The first NBA Mm. player I was older than by a day (laughs) holds a special place in my heart. Darius Miles joins the show. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you Just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, 
helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. The show rolls on. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show. And yesterday we had one ha- half of the Knuckleheads on, the Knuckleheads podcast. You can hear it on the Players' Tribune. Incredible conversations hosted by Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles with some of the all-time great WNBA and NBA players. And now we're lucky enough, Kirk, to be joined by the other half of the Knuckleheads today. Yesterday was Quentin. And today we got D Miles. Darius Miles joins the show, who holds a special place in my heart because he was born one day after I was. So he's the first NBA player that I was older than. I remember when they showed his birthday on draft night. I go, oh my God, I'm getting old. Great to have you on the show, man. How are you? Oh man, thank you. D Miles. Now it's uh it's great to listen to you and, and Quentin do this podcast. You had Chris Weber on most recently. Uh you've been doing it now for a few seasons. I know it was never in your life plan to be a podcast host, but how grateful are you for the opportunity and who have you really enjoyed getting to know through the podcast? Man, I'm, I'm truly blessed for the opportunity. Uh, this is something that I never thought I'd be doing. And uh, it, it just makes me feel like a kid all over again to just talk to people that play the game that you fell in love with and some of the people that you admire and you appreciate what they brought to the game like on the women's side and the men's side. So a lot, a lot of it for me, Darius, is when I always look at podcasts, and I do a podcast myself, you know, but it's more NFL-centric. But Shameless plug. Plug it. Why not? Yeah, Shameless plug, yeah, Kirk. Total Coverage it. Podcast, wherever you find your podcast, <laughs> Kirk Morrison, Total Coverage. So I will throw that out there. But, Darius, man, when, when I think of your story, though, man, um, obviously it's you, you came out of high school, went straight to the NBA. And I'm saying, like, you would have committed to St. John's. Like, what was it about St. John's back then? Or was there another school on your radar that if you had gone to college, where else were you truly thinking about where you could have taken your talents and then probably went to the NBA shortly thereafter? Uh, I, I fell in love with uh, Omar Cook because uh, the type of player I was, I always wanted to play with good players. And I always wanted to play with a nice point guard that can get me the ball in transition. So I, I fell in love with Omar Cook game, and um, he was he wanted to go to North Carolina, and North Carolina chose Adam Boone, and uh, he went to St. He chose St. John's, so I took a visit to St. John's uh, on a Midnight Madness night. Uh, Jay Z was hosting it at the time, so I uh, I went there and uh, had a good time that weekend, and came back. Omar committed, and then I followed him. I, I fell in love with Mike Jarvis. Uh, I, I related to him real well, uh, and we we later on did a movie together. So you know, it was it, I felt it would have been perfect. Lamar, I mean, Omar Cook, he led the uh, he led college in assists his freshman year. So I felt like that would have been a perfect 
situation for me. The New Yorker and me. I got my heart broken right now, Kirk. I was a big Johnny's fan back then, coming really? off Eric Barkley and Ron Artest and Felipe Lopez and Zendon Hamilton. They had the garden rocking. Oh, what could have been? Didn't think the interview was going this way, Kirk. I got to Yeah, I know, honest. but I'm saying, I, I just turned. I just, I finally, you know, pandemic, I cut my head bald now. So I'm bald. But Mike Jarvis was like the, one of the first dudes that was like, his thing used to be nice and tight, right? Just that thing was all the way skin tight, bald, just shining. Yeah, so, yeah. He, yeah. He used to be clean. He, he was clean. clean, see? One of the other things that I fell in love with, like I say, the Midnight Madness, the environment of the crowd and everybody, like, it felt like a, the rucker. It felt like, you know, all them tapes that you watch, them and one tapes and stuff, and it just gave me that vibe, and I was like, yeah, I got to play. <laughs> Darius Miles joins the show one half of the Knuckleheads. Be sure to listen to the Knuckleheads podcast hosted by Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson on the Players' Tribune. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. You know, I, I, Darius, your story is incredible because it's so intertwined with pop culture. And you mentioned that on Midnight Madness at St. John's, Jay-Z hosted. Or you mentioned that you did movies. You were in films with Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans. What do you remember from your days on set for The Perfect Score? And, and how were you even approached? How did that project come together? Uh, they, uh, I didn't want to do it. My agent uh, asked me to just audition for it, and they wound up picking me to do it. And uh, we uh, did it in Vancouver, Canada. And I just remember they put a, a rollaway basketball goat on the set. And, you know, every time we would shoot the ball and they'd be like, like, cut it so they can go and, you know, do the do the scene or whatever. And, you know, we all just bonded. We all hung out together all the time. Uh, and it was just a cool environment. It was something new to me. Darius, what did you know about Los Angeles, man? Coming from St. Louis, like, what, about it? yeah, no. But what did what did you think about it, or what did you even know about it in terms of? I didn't, for me, I, didn't I grew really up in NorCal. Nothing so. about it. Everything was new to Los Angeles. Was new to me. I didn't know nothing about it. I'd never been there. Uh, I was like Magic Johnson when I seen them palm trees. It was like, man, we in a whole nother world, <laughs> you know. And uh, but when we got out there, you know, being on the 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 B team, so called. You know, it was it was an opportunity for us to showcase our talent, and you know, I'm I'm definitely grateful for it. Darius Miles joins the show. Born October 9th, 1981, mm. not eighth. I got him beat yeah. by a day. <laughs> the first player I was older than in the NBA, so he holds a special place in my heart. Um, I'm curious now, Darius, as you're doing the podcast and you're getting to know some of these current players, just who are you genuinely a fan of? Who's must see TV uh, in your household when it comes to the NBA now? Uh, Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill is must see TV in my household. He he's from my area, and uh, just the level of play that he's playing at right now is just amazing. He's uh, I ain't seen a, nobody like that from our area do stuff like that since JoJo White. You know, you know, we had a lot of good players come from our area, but he's on the all time high right now. It's great seeing him doing the post game, rocking the St. Louis hat too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Darius, uh, one of the things I know you came in straight out of high school, straight to the NBA, but then I think about you being on that Cavs roster as well when LeBron first came in and to see what yeah. he's still doing now. You know, we watched him last night against the Brooklyn Nets. But do you remember when he first came into that locker room in Cleveland? What, what was that atmosphere like? When you know when he walks in the locker room and people are saying this is this is the chosen one. This is the, this is the next best thing in basketball. 
we we won 17 out of 82 games the season before he came, and it was nobody in the stands. He he brought the state with him when he came through the doors. Like it was people everywhere all the time when he came through the doors, and it's just amazing to see what he's doing right now. You know, like man, to watch what high his career about to end is just is just crazy. Darius Miles joins the show. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen show. Um, you guys had LA popping. Like mm. for people who don't understand mm. about this Clippers <laughs> Renaissance, like it started with D Miles and Quentin Richardson coming out here and just the environment in which you guys were playing is so different than than what it is now. Describe to the listeners where you guys practiced when you first came out to Los Angeles. Uh, we we practiced at Southwest College in uh, in Inglewood. Just the idea of an NBA team on a college campus. <laughs> what was it like? Yeah, it was it was it was kind of crazy in the mornings. You know, we had to stop and let the you know kids go to class in the morning because they was going which way. And then you know you drive through and go to the gym and. We practicing while the kids was in school. It was, it, you know, like that was our experience. So when we got to see other teams and it was like, man, they got facilities like this, we was like, we ain't never experienced that. It seems it's just really a, a series of firsts throughout your journey, you know. And as you as you look back on your career and, and you, you took on these challenges and had changes of scenery and stuff, what advice do you give to the next generation of players who are coming to the league who haven't had the experiences that you've been afforded with now? Uh, first thing I'll say is uh, find out about uh, financial literacy. You know, uh, it's a lot of money that's being flowed through these organizations, through these teams, through these players. And, uh, you know, people, family don't ever, you know, a lot of people don't have people in their family that own anything. So they don't know how, how to manage that type of money. So just find out about financial literacy. That's what I would say. That's the first thing. Got a two-part question for you, D. Um, number one, what is the first shoe, basketball shoe, that you fell in love with? And if there is one shoe that you can buy over and over again that is timeless, it will never get old to you, what would be that shoe? Uh, that's the same shoe, the patent leather Jordan. <laughs> like, that's, that's <laughs> both of them questions, the same shoe. The first shoe I fell in love like every day, they were shoes. But then when I seen that patent leather on them Jordans and seen Michael Jordan with them all, oh, man, I had to. I just had to have every color. <laughs> I think for, for me, not only was it Jordan, but you know who really made that shoe really pop? Like, okay, Mike had his shoe. That was fine, all right? But who, you know who really made the 11s pop, though? was Allen Iverson with that Georgetown uniform on. <laughs> like, Man, people don't understand, yeah. like, that was like the colorway. Them black that, and white. Them black and white ones. Those was oh, the ones that really, God. made. Like, phew, that was it. Yeah, that Georgetown AI with the black and whites on. Yeah, I had to have them. <laughs> Darius Miles joins the show. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison uh, filling in for Rich Eisen. Be mm. sure to download, subscribe, rate, and review the Knuckleheads podcast that Darius hosts alongside Quentin Richardson. And we had Q on the show yesterday. And he talked about the story up at Santa Barbara when MJ saw you guys rocking and one shoes and said, nah, that, that's not going to happen. Handpicked by Michael Jordan to represent his brand. And, and you've been down with Jordan and, and as Q has been for a long time now. Um, you know, just the game of basketball, when you think about where you came from, 
and the places it's taken you. What moment did you realize that, that you know, you had a special gift and that there was a world larger than yourself, larger than, you know, your immediate surroundings? When I had, uh, when I had agents and, and people that I'm seeing on my television coming through my front door in the middle of the hood, that was, that was like, oh, this is different. Like, they, they looking for me. Who were some of those coaches? I know you didn't end up going to college, but who did some of the coaches you remember coming to the living room? Did Tark ever come out to St. Louis? Did who? Jerry Tarkanian? Oh, no. Tark didn't come out. Uh, man, who I had? I had Phil Ford and um, what's his name? I can't even think of his name. Clearly, it didn't make an Mike, impact because you didn't go to college. Mike, you went Mike right to the league, so nobody impressed you that much I in the had, living room. Uh, but what's that like for a young kid at 16, 17, 18 years old to start to get that attention, to start to have new people pop up in your life? We're seeing a lot of young stars now as, as they kind of, you know, uh, transition into the next phase of their athletic career, already have a lot of followers and attention and mm-hmm. media experience. But back then it was all new to you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely all new. It's, uh, it's an experience, but you got to have the, uh, a good like family system. Like my mom was everything to me. And, you know, she always kept me grounded on not taking anything from anybody, earning everything you get. And I just stuck with that. And so a good support system is good to have around you. Well, I love seeing the support that you and, and Q have shown each other over the years. Your special brotherhood and, and friendship is really inspiring, man. And, and keep, it, keep it going with the podcast. You guys are able to get some great stories out of these players. Oh, that's my man, Hunter Grant. <laughs> Darius Miles joins the show. Appreciate it. The man I was first older than in the NBA, so he always holds a special place in my heart. Thanks for taking some time, man. Man, appreciate y'all. Thanks. Darius Miles, former NBA great. And, of course, you know him as an actor as well. The perfect score, Van Wilder. What a life. What a journey. Coming up next, we got another actor, a diehard fan. Ben Schwartz is going to come on and chop it up about our New York Knicks. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to the show. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison hanging out on a Friday. The Rich Eisen Show. Rich will be back on Monday. Shout out to Darius Miles for calling in. That was a big deal for me. I got to be honest. D. Miles, one of my all-time favorites. And, you know, his co-host on the Knuckleheads podcast, Quentin Richardson, one of his all-time favorite photos. He told me this. He was on the show yesterday, and I've known Quentin for a long time. But he told me one of his all-time favorite photos He's doing his signature knuckleheads double tap, wearing number 55 for the Knicks. And in the background, Spike Lee is standing up courtside screaming because Quentin just hit a three. And then like two rows behind Spike 
is our next guest, Ben Schwartz, who is a diehard Knicks fan and featured in one of Quentin Richardson's favorite photos. How are you, Ben? Oh, my goodness. What a perfect intro. Uh, by the way, my, my, uh, my claim to fame is always being two rows behind Spike Lee. <laughs> well, I, I tell people I have the Spike Lee seats, and I refer to, like, school days, NYU film school seats. Like, I'm in the 400 section in the top <laughs> oh, is where I see. But Ben's down up eat? close, and he's photobombing Spike and Quentin Richardson photos. Um, you are a diehard Nick fan. You and I talk mm-hmm. a lot of Knicks. Are you as excited as I am this February? It's so funny. I am, of course, very excited. And then Lakers fans remind me that we're not even 500, and I, I get infuriated at them. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's so exciting because you see promise and you see youthful guys coming up, and it's just going to be – it just feels like exciting. It also feels like we got a chance at six through eight, which is very, very fun. Ben Schwartz joins the show. You know him from Middle Ditch and Schwartz, from Parks and Rec, from House of Lies, from Sonic. He's getting checks, Kirk. <laughs> that's, what, that's the name of the game, though. But, Ben, how, how long have um, – and I, I should have asked uh, this to other Ben as well, but have New Yorkers or just guys who follow the Knicks, have they been waiting to just wrap their arms around a superstar that you know is going to be there for years to come? I feel like watching the New York Knicks from afar, it's you get a guy for a year, two years, three years, and then all of a sudden he's gone. It's just like who is that Knicks – guy that hopefully you can wrap your arms around the Knicks and say, I can buy his jersey and not have to burn it or, or sell it in a couple of years. <laughs> well, listen, first of all, let's let's for a moment pretend that he's not 26 and 21. J- Julius Randle is having a season amongst mm. an all-star caliber season, which when was the last time uh, Nick had an all-star caliber season? Would it be Carmelo, I guess? Yeah. Chris I mean, Stapps made the all-star team, but he was injured because he's Chris Stapps. <laughs> that's all right. That's true. Chris Stapps is definitely on the bench. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's exciting to see that. I wonder. Uh, I'm always afraid. Like whenever there's a trade, there's a phrase that people say, like Knicks are gonna nick. Uh, that it's like they'll find a way to 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 make this trade that like throws away a bunch of young talent. We get somebody that may be a little bit older, and then that person gets injured or something like that. But it feels a little bit different. It feels like if we hold on to what we have right now, I mean, listen, of course people are talking about maybe Bradley Beal moving and why would you not want to have the leading scorer of the NBA in your team? But it's, it's, uh, it's exciting, right? Doesn't it feel exciting right now? It feels like they, I feel like J.R. Smith and a championship parade. I'm going to take <laughs> oh my, my shirt off and run down 7th <laughs> Avenue. Like, I am so excited for this team. Ben Schwartz joining the show. You know him, of course, from Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix and Sonic the Hedgehog films and a whole bunch of stuff. Diehard Nick fan. Ben Lyons and Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich Eisen. And Ben, you are not only a huge Knicks fan, but you're actually a, a huge basketball fan. You have a pretty decent jump shot for Los Angeles comedic actors. You love the shoot around. Do you ever push yourself and go five on five? Or do you ever? You're just a, a big fan of the shoot around. No, of course. We. I used to run. I used to play in like two games a week. Uh, one was that Shanling game every Sunday. Gary Shanling had a basketball game in his place. And then um, one was uh, just a regular outdoor game. And then 24-hour fitness, whenever I would try to, like, work out, I'd always try to get run on Tuesdays. But then I found myself getting injured more and more often. And then, like, one or two times it was during a shoot, and it was, like, agony to have, like, a, a messed up rib while, like, uh, sh- like, acting. So I slowly took myself out of those, unless I'm, I know I'm not filming for a little bit because I know I'm going to hurt something. I feel like the older I've gotten, the easier I get injured. It's insane. You know, Ben, I know you do a, you do a lot of different type of work, but you kind of got your start in terms of 
getting going through improv. And so, look, for me, that's what I want to do this off season because I work primarily in the NFL and I still do all sports. But mm-hmm. I feel like I, I need to bring more out that's inside of me. Improv may be the next place that I need to go to help out my broadcasting. So if there was one piece of advice you would give me in starting an improv, what would that advice be? I love this. I love the idea in my head to imagine you on stage doing like improv is so (laughs) fun to me. I think that'd be so, why not take a class and do it? But the biggest rule whenever we uh, teach or learn is the rule of yes. And so if someone ever brings an idea to you, you never say no to it. Like if you're if you're doing a bit with somebody and they're like, "Look at that elephant," you know, like there's no elephant there. Then the scene ends. But if oh. you're like, "Look at that elephant," he's like, "Yeah, it's a big one." Then you're saying yes to that person's idea, and you're adding more information on. That's the biggest thing I think in improv to react truthfully and to say yes and to somebody's idea. So the whole idea is that way you could build something together. The second you say no, you shut down that person's idea because improv is like a team sport. That's why I, I love it so much. Stand-up is oftentimes just you by yourself on the microphone. Improv is you're trying to make your partner look good. And when I play basketball, I love like passing the ball and getting an assist. Or like for someone who can't dunk, throwing an alley-oop is the most exciting thing I can do in basketball. So it's like that is what I can do when I'm performing on stage with someone. I can like I could alley-oop them and give them a laugh. We're both names, Ben. We're both Knicks fans, but my favorite player, as you know, is Carmelo Anthony. So, no, I do not like to pass. I want to shoot the ball every single time I catch it. Um, Someone you've done a lot of improv with over the years is Blake Griffin. There's rumblings that he might be out of Detroit. Do you think he comes back to Los Angeles with the Lakers? Not because he wants to win a championship with LeBron, but because once the vaccine gets going, he can get back on stage at UCB. I have have no idea. I do remember there was like, when, so uh, Blake, who, by the way, I've been very fortunate. I've interviewed probably, you know, 15 NFL athletes. I've interviewed a bunch of NBA people for these different things I did with Courtyard or for ESPN. And uh, like Greg Olson, one of the funniest people I've ever met in terms of an athlete who's able to be funny. But Blake Griffin is the truly the funniest athlete I've ever met in my life. And not just funny because, you know, like funny for an athlete. He He did improv with us and we weren't like, you know, making it easy. We were just doing improv and he did it maybe five times with us, five, seven times. And he crushes because he's funny and he has great instincts. So I'm, I miss performing with him so much. He was such a great improviser. And I know he's gotten up and done stand up a bunch and he's been great at that. So I think if LA could grab, uh, if the, whatever city grabs him, the comedy community in that city will have <laughs> immediately been upgraded to the next level. But I heard about that, that maybe, that maybe um, I mean, just from online talk, that maybe he might be moving. Yeah, um, they, 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 no the idea. Pistons are saying they're going to sit him down until they can figure out when he can get, you know, uh, a, a set somewhere, either at UCB or Groundlings or somewhere to get him back in his flow. <laughs> he better not know. do Groundlings. If he doesn't do UCB or Largo, if he doesn't do my, if he doesn't do my home court comedy places, um, I would be like, come on, what's going on? Beef what do you guys Blake think about Griffin, Bradley uh, do you think Do you think Bradley Beal moves somewhere? And if so, do you have an idea where he would go? I hope, obviously, he moves to New York. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think that he will move, um, and there will be some team that offers a King's Ransom. He's too good to come to New York. Like, I don't want to – we get aging – we got guys after the fact. Like, you know – Derrick Rose. I, but, but, by the way, Derrick Rose 32 is crushing for us. It's a great story, isn't it? Isn't it so much fun? <laughs> I'm, I honestly, like, the first go-around, it didn't go well. There were some games. He was MIA. The second time around, it feels like there's more of a romance. Like, I'm all in on D-Rose. 
If you have to give up, for both of you guys, if you have to give up Toppin, if you have to give up quickly, if you have to give up all of our young assets to get BO and trade, and, and obviously, you know, uh, lottery picks and stuff like that, do you do it? Do you trade the future of the franchise to get a franchise player now or no? You know me. I will trade everyone not named <laughs> R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett was born the day I graduated high school. It's his destiny to bring a championship back to New York. He's the Maple Mamba. He's Natalie Portman in The Professional. You see him on screen. You're like, wow, that's a star. So I, I am going all in on R.J. Barrett. You can take everyone else. You want Frank. You want Knox. You want the ghost of Ben Schwartz. You can take everybody. It would be kind of sad if you took the ghost of Ben Schwartz. Can we talk about the horse game we played on camera and I absolutely destroyed you? He did, Kirk. He did. We wow. played a game. We didn't play horse. We played a game of Amari. And I Amari, thought right I had him until he got the apostrophe on me. And then, yes, that <laughs> you play the imposter. Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys are crazy, man. You did, yes. Ben Schwartz joins the show right now. You know him from Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix. Uh, he's got a big part. Disney movie like out right time. now. He's doing a lot of voiceover you, work. Uh, yeah, you got you Sonic the Hedgehog. Like 20 times in this. Yes, we did. So I, we got, I did Sonic, which was amazing, and a lot of voiceover work for DuckTales and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But this one is a live-action one. I, I, like, uh, I just did this Lord and Miller show we just wrapped. We filmed through since October and we just wrapped two days ago, uh, which was incredible and like safe. We all got tested every single day. Uh, and that's like another adult fun thing. And so um, I love trying to do kind of both. So this one's a family movie. It's called Florin Ulysses. Uh, it follows like a superhero squirrel and this wonderful young actress named Matilda Lawler. And then I play her dad. It's my first dad role. Wow. You're playing so dads movie. now. Wow. It's my first one. I had to grow a beard and then they had to paint a, a little bit of my beard gray to try to sell this off. <laughs> And I think it worked. Uh, but, yeah, so I play her dad, and it's it's such a fun family movie. And, like, for I know my friends who are parents and, and, like, who have kids are like, please, just give us something new. Give us content, please. So it's on Disney Plus today. It just came out, but hours ago. Hey, Ben, really quickly, how do you differentiate just the different voiceovers? Because i got a son who loves watching Blaze on, on Nickelodeon. So mm. I, I know the different characters, but... Just quickly, how do you differentiate different voices for different characters? Yeah, it's a great question. So what I do is it always starts with the script. And then when I read the script, I start to kind of do it in my head of how I think it's going to be. Like when I read the Sonic script, I was like, oh, this is a little kid that so desperately wants to like get friends and whatever. So he's really excited. And I played that video game when I was a kid. So I was like, you know, he's going to talk really fast. He's going to talk to that. So I was like, I kind of learn um, from the cadence of how the dialogue is in there. And then you kind of find it like, you know, sometimes if it's a slower, more arrogant character, deeper voice or something like that. So I kind of read the scripts first and then I do it in my head like a little loser and I say it out loud by myself. <laughs> and then when it's time to record, you know, you're there with the director and the creator of whatever did it. And you kind of have a discussion with them and then you, you let it rip. But the fun part is exactly that playing these characters that could be anything. I play a duck and a hedgehog and a turtle and you know, superhuman powers and all that stuff. So all that stuff is like, as a kid, I loved it. So I continue to love it now. And now you're playing dad, so the Knicks better start <laughs> winning because we're getting up there in age. We just want one in our lifetime, Ben. Just one. That's it. Please. I mean, 92-93 was pretty close. 99 was pretty close. We just need one. Yeah, pretty close doesn't cut it, my friend. Uh, continued success. Thanks for taking <laughs> some time, man. Go Knicks. Bye, guys. Good to talk to you. Talk ben to you. Schwartz joins the show. The movie is Flora and Ulysses. Very, very talented and funny dude. And a real diehard Nick fan. And if there's, hey, we haven't had much to celebrate in recent years, uh, Kirk, <laughs> so we're going to take it where we can get it. Ben Lyons filling in for uh, Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show with Kirk Morrison. Don't go anywhere.